This podcast is sponsored by Inside Out Group, the specialists in high-risk and challenging filming and time-lapse, covering health and safety videos for rail, construction and infrastructure projects nationwide. Okay, and welcome to this week's Safer Than Your Average podcast. On the show this week, we've got Jesse Gomes, IOSH Council member. Jesse, over Hi. to you. You want to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about yourself? Yes. So, um, I think if you are IOSH member, you've been kind of uh, seeing a bit of my face, principally in the London Metropolitan Branch, for quite a few years now, nearly six years. So, my name is Jesse Gomez. So, I'm a passionate about. Um, health and safety and well-being of the people, principally in construction sites. I started my career approximately 13 years ago, started in France, and then 10 years ago, I arrived in the UK um, to learn English. And I decided to add uh, the safety hats uh, into my curriculum because I was uh, just a new uh, graduate from a, a master in quality, health and safety and environmental management. And I did a bit of quality and environment in France. And uh, then I decided just to go in UK, like somewhere like I don't even speak the language and try to do a new job, which was like quite crazy at the time because I couldn't speak English. And this is like true story. I started my job as a CDM advisor for um, uh, a company called Northcroft at the time that become bought out by Capita Simon. Uh, and um, I just met an amazing mentor that is still my mentor up to date. And he gave me my first chance. And uh, I, I guess he, he bet on me. And, uh, and uh, I'm glad he did because uh, today I can speak about my adventure as a health and safety advisor in the UK. So thank you for inviting That's me. That's awesome. If you yeah. want to just take us right back to the start, Jesse, tell us about a bit about your background, where you grew up and your early life. Yes, so I grew up in Picardy. So it's like uh, up north, north of, uh, uh, if you take like Lille up north and Paris, uh, right midway in between. Uh, I uh, lived in Nogent-sur-Oise, it's close to Chantilly, if someone can uh, kind of being really good with geography, <laughs> I don't know, but it's in Picardy, and uh, I, I was born in Paris, actually, and then my parents moved uh, up north, and I went to school there, and, and then later I went to uh, uni in Paris, and Amiens, which is also a country, uh, a city in Picardy. So this is um, how I've been raised, really, um, humble childhood. I have, I'm the oldest of like six kids and uh, I've been raised with really um, resilience, uh, uh, focus, but also hard work. Uh, parents who were like always telling me that I had to work harder uh, always because I was black and uh, wherever I will go, I will be expecting to work harder. So uh, really with this in mind, I was like, okay, uh, so you have to study, of course, this is what my parents were telling me. So I did do, I just execute. So um, I uh, study really well at school and then I pursue uh, a bachelor degree and, and a master degree. And now I'm doing a PhD, which is completely crazy, but I guess it's, 
it's part of my upbringing, but also my uh, the way of life. It's like continual learning, and uh, I will never change that ever. And it's something I would like to give to my daughter as well. I would really want her to have value and work ethic. For me, it's really important. It's crucial. So. Um, so yeah, this is like more or less my upbringing. So doing a lot of exercise, I've always been really active. That's why people look at me and say, Jesse, how can you do all these things? It's because I, I love to uh, learn new things. I love to entertain myself and discover new things. And this is uh, bring me where I am, like always asking for the question and sometimes um, as a health and safety advisor, you could be like, back off. We don't want you here. You're asking too much questions. And I remember a time that I was called trouble as well, because uh, I actually working as a health and safety advisor, but I'll come back later. But one of my first job, I was called trouble. So hello trouble in the morning, hello trouble in the evening. So by trouble in the evening. So, um, so this is how with this upbringing and of, uh, uh, three brothers and two sisters and parents working really hard. My mom uh, is a cleaner and my dad is a construction labor uh, doing uh, concrete flooring, so really physical work. So I always seen my parents really work hard to, to being able to provide for the family. So uh, they were all, always like, you have, to, you have to study so you will never do what I'm doing. So literally my mom, uh, was telling me that I should study so I, I will not be cleaning offices, that I will be the person sitting at the desk rather than the person cleaning the desk. Yeah. And, um, and, and yeah, it's something like always resonate with me to, to, to work and to, to be curious and to always pursue a better way, I think, and always like know better to do better. So it, it, this is how I was raised, yeah. And to put that real drive behind you to succeed and progress in your career. If we move on a little bit then, Jesse, just to talk about your first job out yeah. of university. What was your first job? So basically, <laughs> I remember my first job. You usually go for the easy job. So I had several first jobs. So my official first job was I work with my mom as a cleaner. So cleaning offices. Uh, what I remember, it's like people was, were not always kind to you because you're the cleaner. They will not say hello to you. They will ignore you. And you, you will be here smiling and saying hello because I, I was raised to be always really polite, no matter what. So I will always say hello. But I knew that people would not be responding because I was a cleaner. So one of my first job was like cleaning offices with my mom because it was the easy way for me to make money. It's to go and work with my mom. Working with my dad would have been more complicated in construction side and, and doing uh, concrete flooring. Uh, so I think the option was to work with my mom, but I also work as a, uh, in a youth center. So I was after kids and I actually had a certification, uh, which I was like looking after kids from two years old up to 17. I actually work with all range of age and I study psychology of kids and stuff. It's compulsory to, to, be, to be able to understand um, uh, children, to be able to work with them. So um, I did that through all my summer uh, during uni and I also did cleanings job. 
I also work in Disneyland and uh, Park Asterix. Park Asterix is one of the of the uh, 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 attraction um, uh, park in, in France. So I also did that. So I had to wear the, all, all the <laughs> and entertain kids. And sometimes I had to welcome people and train into attraction. So uh, yeah, this is, was like my free main job. So uh, cleaning, working with children and also working for in attraction um, uh, center and parks. Yeah. So quite, quite a diverse background then as well, Jesse. a few different jobs. How did you end up moving into health and safety then? So I think I had to make a choice when I was about 16 years old. So my dad was like, be, be a doctor. He wanted me to become a medical doctor. So he was always like, be the boss. You don't want to have a boss. You want to be at the top of the top. Whatever you're doing, make sure you're the boss. And I was like, okay. And my mom was like more, find, do easy study, something simple, be just a nurse. Nurse, three years study in France and become a nurse. It's easy. Don't get bothered to become a medical doctor. So I had like these two um, uh, idea and two, two views. Um, so I, I tried, I tried really hard to get to do a medical uh, school, but then I just decided at the end that it wasn't for me. And I went to study biology uh-huh. for a two years technical degree in biology with the idea to become a laboratory uh, technician. And from there, um, I said, I'm not gonna be the laboratory technician, thinking of my dad who was saying I has to be the boss. So I decided I'm gonna be the boss of the laboratory <laughs> technician. <laughs> so I did a bachelor degree in uh, quality management. So when I get into quality management in, um, it was like uh, biological industries, I then discovered that you could have two other hats and actually three other hats, which was uh, health and safety, uh, well-being, but also environmental management. So I then uh, did a master's degree in um, quality, health and safety and environmental management system. And it was more integrated management system. So with this in mind, it was to become um, responsible um, uh, managing um, health and safety, um, uh, uh, quality health and safety and environment system and being able to having a systemic view coming somewhere. So mm-hmm. with this in mind, I then um, went to do quality uh, um, jobs and um, I uh, worked for um, a manufacturing uh, company was produce, producing jam. Uh, yeah. The jams that you find on uh, yogurt sometimes. Yeah. Um, so it was like uh, every evening when I was coming back home, I was like bringing some of the jam to my family. So it could be like a strawberry jam or, or, or it could be a, a mango jam, all type of things because we had agendas as um, one of our clients. So yeah. it was like really, and I was. Um, also the one doing the um, uh, quality, um, looking at, um, I was working in the laboratory and sometimes you had to do, uh, looking at the quality of the product, but I was working as an assistant of the quality uh, manager of the, the quality director actually, 
So from there, I started to get like some, oh, I'd like to know more about safety. And um, I actually didn't go into safety straight away. My next job was then in environmental aspect and I did touch into health and safety, but not as a majority. So I then work for an automobile uh, company, a manufacturer actually uh -huh. uh, in Paris. And uh, really quite interesting, they were um, doing, you know, your seat belts that you have in your car. Yeah. Have one uh, small um, devices that contain explosive in it. Right, okay. Um, oh, it's actually not on, you have it on your seat belts, just uh, uh -huh. on the bottom side, but you have also on your airbag as yeah. well. I don't know, the airbag like yeah, yeah. face and could be quite uh, dangerous actually. So uh, they were uh, fabricating these small devices that then used by car manufacturer. So it was like really high, um, high risk environment because obviously we were, um, we had storage of, um, of explosive because to product we, ha yeah. we had to, so I was uh, looking at um, health and safety, but also environmental management. And it's the same, I was assisting the director into this. It was like really one of the, my most uh, interesting job uh, to, to date because it was like really um, high risk environment. And there were also a lot of um, interaction with the French authority as well. And yeah. they had a lot of uh, waste, um, uh, reviews and waste sleeps and uh, and all the um, uh, uh, storage and and uh, um, and we had to report on on all our waste as well, which was like crucial and part of the of being compliant with the French regulation. Um, so from there, um, I work for EDF. It's the electricity. Yeah. Yeah. So it's now called Inedis. Mm -hmm. They um, actually was it's a subsidiary of EDF uh, at the time, and uh, it's now called um, EDF, uh, Inedis. Sorry. Um, so um, basically, I was doing sustainable development, <laughs> completely another spectrum. So I really try over the years to try to have a broad range of understanding of what is QHSC basically, and in various. Um, uh, company as I could and various industry. So from going to automobile, I then went into um, gas and really and electricity because really EDF was an um, uh, electricity provider for uh, is electricity provider for France, and uh, the subsidiaries that I work for was uh, maintaining all the cables and the line uh, on the entire France. So my job was to reduce the carbon footprint of all the technicians we had going around, meeting with clients who could be like corporate, but also individual uh, clients. So um, I did that for a year as well while I was preparing for my master's degree. Uh, I always did, I always try to keep this practical side. So I, I did through my bachelor degree to my master always practical practical mm -hmm. so i always had a job and i did it in sandwich course which was like more common in france i think in the uk 
didn't get my head around it yet, but um, in France, you had the option to do apprenticeship. So I was like literally three weeks at uni uh, and three weeks within a company. So yeah. I'd be switching on and off like this until I get graduated. And this is like, it's the best option to get um, uh, learning, but, but adding like some uh, practice to the theory. So, so this was like really, really crucial to me to, uh, to, to gain that. I think it was, I, I would have never done like 100% just study. And I think this is how going into a PhD, I kept my job working for Maze Group at the time. And I started my PhD because I wanted to really keep uh, a, a feet on the ground and being able to uh, bridge um, um, the um, academia into practice. I think that really these both should be seen uh, as a as a, as a more collaborative way of uh, doing things rather than like separate. So I call myself a pro-academic rather than like an academic or a practitioner. So let's be a pro-academic, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, a good feeling. <laughs> so uh, yeah, this is something that I really wanted to do. It's like really keep. So this is how I really from working sustainable development, I decided to do more, to gain a proper health and safety um, uh, experience. And I decided to come in UK to get that, like simple as that, not simple at all. Because, um, I actually struggled to find my first job because I could simply not speak English. So um, this is like really a barrier for me to, um, to find a job. So my first job, it took me a few months to, to find it. And even when I find my first role, I was like always asking, why did I get the role? Because I couldn't really speak. But within a few months, um, I was like really well respected and, um, and I could do my job properly. So, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I, I, I tried. And, uh, and since then, I haven't left UK. So I'm sorry for for uh, people who don't want to see European and UK, but uh, I'm one of them. <laughs> so, uh, coming from France, I haven't, I, I mean, I haven't left, but now obviously with Brexit context, I'm more like, I, I don't, I'm not sure <laughs> if I should stay. Yeah. Mm. What was the, the first role that you moved into in the UK then, Jesse? So I work as a CDM advisor. Okay. So no idea what was CDM though, <laughs> at the time. Um, so I remember I, I was applying to any jobs. I, I just wanted a job. I wanted this first opportunity. You know that sometimes you just need one opportunity and then the doors open and you can get anywhere you want. And I couldn't get, I was like going to so many interviews and, and they, and I would not get the job. So my first job was working for Northcroft at the time that became Capita Simon, bought up by Capita Simon. And as a CDM advisor, and I was advising clients like Costco, which is like a big, big, big And, and NHS as well. Um, I was advising a mental health trust in South London. And, um, yeah, this, is, this too was like my main uh, project, but obviously I was like running several other projects, but uh, uh, this is, was like the biggest one. And uh, yeah, CDM advisor for um, retail, for Costco. 
um, that I advise in UK, but also in Spain. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And, and several years later, they also went to France and I started Costco France a little bit before I moved on to, to my next role. Yeah. So quite a lot of challenges then, trying to learn the language, trying to also learn the job and get an understanding of CDM while you're on the job advising the client and always keeping that, that face up that you know what you're talking about and keep working yes. with it. Yeah. Um, so overcame quite a lot of adversity there. Can you talk us a bit now through your career journey then, Jesse, where you went after that and then progression through to your career now? Yeah, so after uh, Capita, I then uh, went, so basically, uh, I'm really ambitious. So maybe after a year, I, I just wanted to progress, you know, normal. Um, I mean, not everyone wants to progress in the job, but I'm, I'm, I'm one of them. And sometimes it could be really frustrating, but I then went to my boss and I said, okay, what's next then? Because I passed all the tests. You asked me to do the neighbors, I did the neighbors. She wanted it, I did it. You wanted me to be a member of IPS, I did it. You wanted me to be a member of IOSH, I did it. Um, okay, what's coming next then? Can I have a pay rise? And um, it really worked really hard to try to get me that pay rise. But you know, sometimes it's not down to your manager. But you, you know when you have a good manager because he will fight for you. And my first manager will fight for me every time every day, every single day. And he actually fight for me and he managed to get me an offer on the table um, when I get uh, another offer from Arcadis at the time. But um, I, I followed uh, Arcadis and I went to Arcadis and, and my land manager was really sad that I had to, I had to leave and I wanted to, to, to see something else and, and the new challenges as well. So I wanted more for Arcadis to do some CDM and uh, business assurance and working for clients such as HSBC, John Lewis, Waitrose, doing CDM um, for, for retail banking and, uh, and also projects. Yes, yeah, so this is, was like for about a year, year and a half uh, uh, working for, for Arcadis. And, uh, and then from that, um, I got an email, a phone call from one of the directors I used to work we've uh, we didn't work really um uh together but she she knew me and um she then um said you should come and work for me she was director of um, of uh, health and uh, um, health and safety at the time and she invited me for an interview she said we we're having this amazing client coming up uh you know about health and safety you can speak french i think you're the right confidence <laughs> And it was to work for EDF and for the nuclear uh, power plant in Claypointe in Somerset. Yeah. So I worked for three and a half years. The design phase was quite extensive, more than 10 years. And when I joined in, they were still designing. And then at the end of my third year, we were moving to Bristol to be closer to the site and work there. So I commute there for for a year and then I come back to Mason and I said, okay, what's next? Because um, I was about to get married and my, and my, um, and my fiance wanted me in London. <laughs> so uh, I said, why don't we move to Bristol? It's quite nice, but it didn't work that way. So I came back to Mace 
would you find me a project in, in London? And, uh, and they've been amazing because um, one of the, of the director at the time was like really keen to retain me as part of the team. So she uh, really uh, worked to provide me with, uh, with my next opportunity in London and, and make things easier for me. And, uh, and I stayed in London and I worked for Goldman Sachs. Um, looking after the last phases of their um, European headquarters in, in London, close a to... A phenomenal project. Yeah, all really super project. Yeah. yeah. So I arrived right at the end when we had a dual contractor working and they needed someone to, uh, to uh, ensure collaboration between... Because CDM, it's all about having that like, collaboration and communication and cooperation between um, um, the main duty holder. But this case was quite particular because we had two main contractors on site. Uh -huh. Then uh, finishing the base build and one starting the fit outs, which was like really a high risk environment at that time. So um, this is, was really, really challenging because it was a lot of pressure to finish on time, but also to avoid any accident and make sure to delimit area between the contractors as well and make sure that everyone was doing what they said they're going to do. So I was, um, I was a health and safety advisor for, for Goldman Sachs and, and, uh, and ensuring that um, the dual principal contractor were doing their jobs. So this is what I did um, for a few months um, until I then joined uh, MACE development. So they needed someone to uh, oversee um, the um, development business of uh, MACE from a health and safety point of view. Mm -hmm. Then um, I was leading um, health and safety within the department. I mean, when I say leading, I was the only one <laughs> there, but I was the point of contact for, um, for the property developer. And from how do we set up um, the project and making sure that we comply with the CDM regulation and the health and safety regulation uh, from protecting uh, the site to making sure that when we're going to start uh, on site, the principal contractor provides us with all the necessary documentation, which I had to review and also look at uh, biddings and um, uh, uh, collaboration and communication as well between uh, the client, which was nice development, and also um, the principal contractor and the various consultants as well. Yeah. So this was like a pretty uh, challenging role as well because it's nearly like a new environment, new setup, and it's really fast. And we're talking here about um, not that in nuclear we don't talk about real money, but when you think about nuclear in terms of like safety culture, these yeah. guys know what they're talking about. Um, when you're more in like property development side, I won't say that they don't take things as seriously. I, I just think that uh, it's just different level construction, culture and nuclear culture, safety culture is not the same. And so I had to kind of re-adapt into, um, into the construction safety culture way, which uh, was pretty a big of a shock because uh, when you work in nuclear, they they do have this questioning attitudes that they talk about all the time. So it was like deeply ingrained inside me that I will be always having questions. Yeah. Yes. 
in, in construction. And when you have uh, costs, uh, budgets, and quality and health and safety, uh, it, it's all, it's like a systemic view. You're looking at the health and safety and you have your client who is looking at his finance and saying, you, we have to go now. And you like, no, I need this information first. So it, it's, it, it was like another pace, I will say. And it was really interesting. And I really did enjoy working um, in the property development. Yeah, it was really nice. Yeah. And pretty tough time to pick up on a project as well, right? At the kind of handover stage from construction to fit out, um, especially with a dual principal contractor. It's a very yeah. complicated CDM setup to get them interacting with each other and working together to deliver the project. Yeah, and sometimes the setup of a project is not really straightforward for a property development uh, project because you have sometimes um, different settings, like from the site settings point of view, sometimes you have like remote location, you have really tiny footprints that you have to work on, you have to take in, into account the member of the public, you have to also um, think through um, the, um, the budget and also the, the um, uh, delays that you can have on the schedule as well, which really keep people under pressure. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it's, uh, it's really a, a different context, yeah. Mm. Because when I was working in nuclear, it was like, I mean, it was a 12 years project. Uh, it's like, but, but when you walk into a, a property development, you have like a tight deadline. You yeah. know that you start on site the 1st of September from one year, and you know that a year later or a year and a half later, it has to be finished. Mm -hmm. And they're no joke about it. <laughs> so, and you have to do, you have to make sure that the site is safe and nobody will die from, from, from building the, um, the building. So, yeah. So, in a career completely filled with challenges, including learning English on the job, moving countries, um, learning CDM on the job when you were trying to establish yourself in your first role in the UK, what's been your biggest challenge in health and safety? Uh, I think my biggest challenge was, uh, I think it's being, being a woman. I know a lot of women in construction will say, it's never been an issue for me to be a woman in a man environment. But for me, at some point, I started to, I think at the beginning, it wasn't a problem because I was so bold and so um, not bothered and more resilient. But at some point in my career, you start to see things, you start to um, be more attentive, I will say, into certain type of behavior. So my biggest challenge is it's one of my um, clients that was like really, um, I mean, probably, it's probably an individual issue here, but uh, will be really um, difficult to work with. Yeah. And so having to have to advise uh, this client, you will be always like thinking, what is the problem? Because you don't know if it's because you're a woman, you don't know if it's because you're black, you don't know if it's because you're French, 
you don't know if it's because you're married. I don't know. It could be all sorts of things going through your mind when you have so many intersectionalities going on. So I think I just stick into doing my job, really, and into being as uh, most professional as possible. But at some point, you get hit by... Um, by the slap, you know, you get in your face and one day you just don't stand, you just, you just gone. And mm -hmm. this happened to me, I was just gone. And I couldn't get up anymore because I received so many slaps that I, I was just not responsive. And I think the worst moment was when I came back from uh, maternity leave because um, you're just vulnerable basically. So you're not as strong as you, as you usually are. So it's like easy, it's the best time for anyone to try to put someone down um, when you, you're not, you're normal, you know, you're not, you know, we're talking now into new normal. Uh, 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 it's not normality when you come back from maternity, you know. So I think I would wish that more, more organization will be more um, emotionally clever in a way that they will come um, uh, young mum back into into the office. Yeah, yeah how they're welcoming them back to the business. I saw that with my own wife when she was going back to work after having her first daughter, that she found it really tough. It was really mentally challenging. She worked in the aviation industry and she was away travelling away um, during the day. She would maybe do a 12 or 14 hour day flying to one of the European destinations that they flew to and coming back and she found it really mentally taxing be away for such a long time and be a new mum and thinking what's going on at home, who's got the little one, how is she being looked after, I'm stuck, I'm not able to sort this out and then having all the added pressure of dealing with members of the public in her instance. But yeah, I, yeah, totally I, I think women that. don't have to take the pressure if they, if they have the option, this is the thing, you don't always have the option to say no and you just go with what it's offered to you when you come back. But uh, um, I will say to any woman, if you, if you have the option, just get out, really, because there's no point. Because you saw, um, I mean, for me, I think personally, I, I felt that I was vulnerable at that time. So it's not the best time to try to get any person to take any big decision or trying to make changes. That's why the law protects women when they come back from maternity leave, from um, uh, malicious acts, or sometimes it's not even, it could be, or it, it can be uh, uh, conscious or unconscious, but law still protects women. So I, I think that manager and, and uh, organization must be more cautious about um, return to work policy and it's not all about a woman returning to work as well because you have people coming to back to work from surgery as well and I, and I have been in that case as well because a year before I had to have a surgery and when I come back it was like I was just walking through the office like I never left when I was away for one month one entire month yeah I have to recover and and I must say I never I never uh, missed any single day at work because I'm really really um, uh, really, really professional, and I will give everything. So if I had to be aware, it was after a surgery to tell you how bad it was. And I actually pushed down the surgery as much as I could. And I couldn't after. I had to get the surgery. So, um, yeah, I think it's really, really important, yeah.
Mm. Having seen you present at the IOSH Metropolitan branch a few times, Jesse, you're an absolute enigma when you come into the room. You're absolutely full of energy all of the time. <laughs> so if you were off work, it was for something serious. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, Thank you, moving man. on a little bit then, Jesse. If you want to talk us through where you're at and your career now, what are you doing with yourself now? Oh, so now, um, <laughs> in a corporate world, people will say I'm, I'm between jobs, but in my world, I'm not between jobs, I'm so busy. I mean, I have a one-year-old um, daughter, I'm doing a PhD, um, it's, it's a lot of things that can fill up your day. I have left my last job, uh, so I'm now looking for new opportunities, so we never know. So, yeah, yeah. so if anybody's something. watching and they want to recruit Jesse, you'll get her on LinkedIn. <laughs> um, very varied career, especially if you're looking for a French speaker um, yeah. for your project. Get in touch with her. I, I do speak Spanish varied. and Portuguese as well. Yep, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, continuing on from there, then, Jesse, you mentioned that you're studying a PhD. What's your PhD in? So my PhD is looking uh, at a construction firm and principally how um, organizations uh, uh, organize themselves and uh, in terms of like knowledge, but also in terms of learning. How do we uh, construction company learn and manage our, our knowledge from, you know, from capturing that knowledge to um, transferring, and uh, capitalizing that knowledge. I've been quite curious uh, while I was working for MACE about how do we really learn? Do we actually learn? We collect a lot of, uh, we collect or we don't collect knowledges, but what do we actually do with that? Mm -hmm. um, so, so my PhD will be around uh, organizational learning. It's how we as an organization uh, organize ourselves to, to learn basically, and what is our human desire to learn? And uh, what has uh, also, um, there no organizational learning without knowledge as well. So what is the knowledge management processes? How do we identify, transfer, share uh, our learning? And how, uh, from a human perspective, uh, do we organize uh, ourselves and, and showing our human, human desire to learn? So, um, and I bring the health and safety and well-being perspective into this because I think that if we, if we learn better and if we share our knowledge, if we capitalize on knowledge, it will have an impact into the occupational health, safety and well-being. So this is really um, my, my main um, important key ideas. It's how can we steer this, this health, safety and well-being system performance and how can we break through the current statistic of the health and safety executive who've been quite stagnant over the year and strangely um, uh, provided in a way that we don't really feel that something has changed over the year. So um, I, I think there really something to be done there. So I'm, I'm exploring it because um, I mean, a PhD has a framework of uh, a frame, uh, um, a short framework of time. So I, I nearly feel that it's a lifetime um, job here <laughs> rather than a PhD really but um, but I'm looking to to break through the health and safety statistics that have been plateaued for a few years using knowledge uh, management and organizational learning. 
Awesome, awesome. So that probably brings me on to my next question. You've had quite a long and varied career across multiple countries, worked for some big name organisations on some really big super projects. Um, what advice would you give to someone that's maybe starting out in health and safety today and chose it as a career path? Um, what advice can you repeat the question, Blair? What advice would you give to someone starting out in health and safety today as a career? Yes, so basically I say stay curious because for me it's uh, you can't be complacent with health and safety. The law change, people change, um, our environment change all the time. Everything is like flexible and within this health and safety system you need to be curious to try to be able to challenge the status quo. So for me it's really one thing will be uh, stay curious and, and, and always have this questioning attitude and never take no for an answer and any answer for the truth. Uh, because an answer, it's always, um, it, it's always an idea, but it's, sometimes it's not the truth. You know, people say to you a very truth that is not the truth. So stay curious. I said too, it's really keep um, motivation and drive. I think really something that I, um, stick with me during all these years is to really stay focused uh, into where I wanted my career to steer and it's really to know where you want to be and to walk towards this. So I always knew I wanted to learn so I was always making sure that I was put on training and I always get as much training as I could because today I can sit before you and tell you that I get such and such training by many companies but Today is the training our mind, you know what I mean? Yeah. Really make sure that you work harder on yourself than on your job, which is mean. Stay professional, do your job, but make sure that you get this personal mastery because I think this is really important because most of the organization, they think of the financial interest. And I think sometimes it's good to switch and to think about um, personal mastery and thinking about what the person in front of you want for themselves and by having it, how they can actually perform better for you, you know? So I think it's really uh, important that to think about how to be a, a good professional and a good person. So beyond doing your day-to-day -day job, think always about progressing as a professional, but also for yourself and, and stay, by, by staying cu uh, curious, and keeping this drive and motivation and, and, and keeping this, this search for learning if it's what you want to do. Some people don't want to do it, so it's, it's, it's fine. So um, I would say for these people, just stay professional and, uh, and do, do your job. And for the one who wants to push it harder, get as much training as you can. Make sure to keep your CPD up to date. Go to IOSH um, uh, uh, meeting and events and uh, um, make sure to do um, what I think it's a core as well as networking. Make sure you meet with people that are already where you want to be, for example, and, and reach out and ask them to meet for a coffee or, or have a chat or, or give you a piece of advice. It's as simple as that. So I think it's really important to have mentor and coaches uh, uh, around you. And you don't have to have one mentor or one coach, have several. I have loads of mental and coach. 
Oh, brilliant. That's great advice, Jesse. And you mentioned keeping your CPD up to date. We've not really touched on any of your IOSH career, which has been a bit of a second career. Do you want to tell us a bit about some of the stuff that you've done with the London Metropolitan Branch, as well as the IOSH Council? Yeah, things have been pretty quiet for me um, lately, but I'm going to start uh, pushing, pressing the button IOSH on LinkedIn pretty soon. And, uh, but I started um, in IOSH approximately six years ago, was really keen to see people who look more like me, because I walk into a meeting and they were, I uh, couldn't like really relate, and it was like really, um, uh, not diverse environments, in, even in terms of like diversity of thinking, I think you have to have a variety of people to, to have diversity of thinking. So um, for me, it was like really crucial that um, I, I tried to approach the chair. So this is what I did. Simply as that, I approached the chair uh, at the time of the uh, London Metropolitan Branch and I said that I would like to be part of the, of the committee. So I applied and, uh, and I got part of the committee and I really, for me was like, I, I was that woman, that black woman who um, other people who look like me, who do, do not look like me, will come because I was approachable, I was smiley, I was, um, I, I was like really uh, um, thinking that it's good to have like a, a variety of people and I think that I could be a, a great asset for the for for Irish London Metropolitan Branch. So this is how uh, I started by uh, helping setting up meeting, making sure to attend committee meeting and, and make my contribution to how um, who will be the next speaker, how do we uh, looking at the feedback of a member and understand more what, what can we do better and by collecting feedback and I think by the way this is what construction industry should do as well is try to collect more feedback and and, and um, principally client feedback. Um, so um, so so yeah, this is what I did for a um, few years, and then um, I moved on. Then kind of having like promotion within the branch. Yeah. <laughs> so from there, I became a communi um, communication manager, and I, and I was a no time to lose um, a lead. The branch, so I will be providing a awareness session about various subjects such as the diesel uh, gas exhaustion. Um, uh, it could be also solar radiation. Um, it was asbestos and silica dust as well. Yep. These are really like important campaign IOSH has been having over the years, and I was relaying them, and I will be relaying them more. Um, going forward. Um, I've been on maternity leave, so <laughs> I was pretty busy, but, uh, but now I'm going to press the button, Ayosh. Uh, so uh, coming from that, I then, um, six weeks after I gave birth, I applied to become a council member. Yeah. I had no idea. I had the chair of the Ayosh London Metropolitan Branch at GC, I think you should apply. And I was like, I wasn't ready at all. I was like one of the last persons to apply. Yeah. For, for the role and um, and the member voted for me, so I'm I'm really uh, pleased that and it kind of reassured me that they wanted to see someone different part of the council. They wanted someone 
to be able to uh, talk uh, for them behind closed door and making sure that this person could be accountable and, and being able to say, okay, hold on, I think we should do this for a member. And, and, uh, and I think over the years, we pretty much had an idea of the kind of person uh, I am because they saw me at the branch. So um, I guess that most of the people who voted for me were people who, who knew me from, from the London Met and from my various activity within, within IOSH. So I haven't let you down. Bear with me. Uh, we'll pretty soon um, uh, be doing a lot of posts on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. And I think that uh, that clarifies something that I've been telling a lot of people. When I first started out um, going to the IOSH meetings, people used to say to me, why are you bothering going to that? It's an old boys club. You won't fit in. You're a young person. They won't be interested in you. And now what I tell people is, well, come along and find out. If you want to see a change in a branch or at an executive level through the council, put your name out there. Volunteer, yeah. get involved and make the change rather than talk about it. Yeah. Yes, and I encourage more people to also put their application forward. We are looking for more council members. Um, I mean, now for this year, um, there are no more applications, but you can vote for who you want to see. But uh, why not put your application forward for next time? But uh, make sure that you have your say by putting the right people um, in front of the Irish, um, Irish government government team. Yeah. yeah, totally, totally. So very diverse career, Jesse. Loads of different experiences across a couple of countries, as we've mentioned. Some really great businesses that you've worked for. And I, I think you've had a fantastic career. Um, just to sum up, I think that um, your career path indicates that there's no wrong path. Um, where you end up is where you end up in business. And if you work hard and try and progress and have that mindset of progressing, it will all start to open up for you. And I think you're a real inspiration to people in the industry. And just keep up the great work. Thanks very oh, thank much for you. coming on the show. Thank you very much. Yeah, I hope that uh, my main idea was to inspire um, everyone a man or woman to to push uh, their career forward to be inspired and um, I, I hope that I uh, I managed to do that. <laughs> awesome! Thanks very much, Jesse. Thank you, Blair. <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by Inside Out Group, the specialists in high risk and challenging filming and time lapse, covering health and safety videos for rail, construction, and infrastructure projects nationwide. This podcast is sponsored by Inside Out Group, the specialists in high risk and challenging filming and time lapse, covering health.